Okay, everyone, welcome back to episode four of Offside Talk. I am Nims and I'm here with my co-host Fats. How are you going, Fats? Yeah, I'm good, man. How about you? Yeah, pretty good, man. It's episode four. Um, we're now doing two episodes per week. Aiming to do so. We're aiming to do so. Uh, so our, our Tuesday or Wednesday podcast will be about the results of the weekend and most probably our previews for any Champions League games that might be happening midweek. Yeah, we'll, we'll have Champions League. We'll have Europa League. Um, plus, we're going to also touch on the rest of the leagues that's have been happening around the world. Yeah, and uh, we'll use our Friday show as a preview into the week that's following up. The week that's following up. We've got our predictions. Hopefully when Omis is back, I can just ream into him. But um, yeah, it's good that we're getting more in touch with our podcasts. Now, I don't know about you, Fats, but I don't want to talk about our last week predictions. It was shocking. Yeah, our, our, our predictions got off to a good start and then went absolutely downhill from there. Um, our predictions for the upcoming week will actually announce on Friday. Whether anyone wants to follow that considering our run at the moment, I'm not too sure, but... We'll see. <laughs> uh, I, I think I looked at it in, um, after about four games had been played on the weekend. I realized that I hadn't gotten any of the tips. And I was just had my fingers crossed that you guys weren't doing as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's have a look at the week that just passed. Now, obviously, we'll start off with what I consider the biggest, biggest league in the world, the English Premier League. Yeah, definitely. Now, my team, Chelsea. Finally got a win, Fats. Finally got a win. Frank Lampard off to his first three points. It was a good game to watch, to be honest, even for just the general viewer. Oh, definitely. Um, away to Norwich, I think that's big three points for Lampard that he picked up. Uh, Norwich isn't exactly the pushover that I think people expected to have this year. And we, we spoke about that last week on our podcast as well. Yeah, we also predicted for Puki to have a good game. He ended up scoring as well. Mm-hmm. But Chelsea strife through and they managed to get the three points. I mean, it wasn't pretty, was it? Um, It was as a... I wasn't even a Chelsea supporter, and I was on the edge of edge of my seat. Uh, they, they did start off well. Yep. I mean that that cross from Aspilicueta to Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham getting his first goal and his second goal after a week that was quite tough for him. After oh, I reckon a tough three weeks. Yeah. He started off his his campaign with a, a fabulous strike that hit the post against Man U. Mm-hmm. Struggled a bit in the Super Cup. Copped all that racial abuse and then come back with two goals. Now, all I say is where's those racial abusers now? They uh, were so-called Chelsea fans. Now, I reckon they're sitting on their Twitter going, Tammy Abraham, heart sign. And that's the sad thing, isn't it? You go from being a villain to a hero within a week and... They're part-time supporters. Yeah. They're literally part-time supporters. But yeah, it was a, it was a big three points. Cracker game. I mean, I was hoping every single game of the weekend went as that one did in the opening game. Well, there was a there was a lot of goals over the weekend. I mean, even with the Chelsea game, three two, you got five goals. I think the first four goals was in the first half an hour of the game, and even after that, it was it wasn't exactly Chelsea just driving home to three points. Norwich did hit the post uh, from a corner, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and but. It's, this is what the big teams are supposed to be doing, is grabbing three points away from home. This this isn't 20 years ago where a team like Chelsea or a team like United can go to a team like Norwich or away somewhere and easily smash someone 4-5-0. The Premier League is getting tougher and tougher as the more money that comes into the Premier League, you, these, these away games aren't going to be as easy as they used to. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at teams like Aston Villa who've been the biggest spenders in the in the league this year. It's not, you know, it's definitely not... Chelsea and it wasn't one of the no, big 
remember, big clubs. I remember when Mourinho first took over Chelsea and he spent the same money as what Aston Villa did. So, and Aston Villa now spending the biggest spenders of the summer, considering you have the European champions and Man City, the current champions as well, with all the money they have, but Aston Villa was the one that spent the most. Yeah. But speaking of Aston Villa, they won 2-0 and they grabbed their first three points as well. Yeah, I think I think it was much needed. I mean, you couldn't go into round three having no points or one point. It was well, a much needed win. They had a bad performance against Newcastle. I mean, that game, if you actually do watch the game, it, it, it felt like Newcastle didn't deserve that win. It was two very big errors. Mm-hmm. And it looks like this week they're slowly on the up and up. Yeah. Uh I want to talk about Trezeguet, actually. He was one of the players that I highlighted as a as a uh, interesting signing for me, coming from the Turkish League. And you actually said, you know, I don't know if it was on air or off air, that he might not be able to keep up with the pace of the EPL. Now, I watched Trezeguet in, like, every single play. And there was some, yeah, he gets into position and stuff like that. But sometimes on that left-hand side, he looks really lost. Um, I don't know if it's the pace, if it's a, if it's a lack of chemistry at the moment, but... It seems like the team is doing everything that's not around Trezeguet. Well, to play in the Premier League, you can't just buy a player or just loan a player and just go, he's a great player, he'll fit in. Do you know what I mean? This player needs a certain aspect to it. You can grab players from the Italian League, La Liga, Turkish League, wherever. But there's a different style of element to the Premier League. There's a bit more pressure from the Premier League. Now, now Trezeguet came from the Turkish League. A lot slower. A lot more more pass-orientated, which doesn't lead to great attacking chances. In English football, that ball can start at the back, and within a split second... You're having a shot on goal. Mm-hmm. Turkish League, not exactly like that. Now, he might be getting to the left. He might be getting to the right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he has 20, 30 seconds to stop maneuver and around. Think. Correct. Stop and think. This is, the, this is the Premier League at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. We've got players that are split-second shots. While Turkey doesn't necessarily have that. Does he need more time? Probably. Yeah. It, the, the teams need to gel. It's only round three. They do need to gel. They need to understand what type of player he is. Mm-hmm. So if he gets more game time, maybe he can prove himself, but it is very vicious. Mm-hmm. I mean, after two, three games, if he's not doing what he's supposed to do, I reckon that bench is going to have his name on it. Yeah. Uh, well, he's he's still in the starting 11, so fingers crossed he stays there. He is a player that I like, and hopefully he does better in rounds to come. Yeah. Uh, Brighton. Brighton copped. Their first loss over the weekend as well. It was at home. Now they were they were top. They were in the top. I think five. Come this um just before this game, but that red card really hurt them. Now I don't know if you saw just before what happened at the game. Mm-mm. Um, two of their players got into a bit of an altercation. It was actually the player that actually got sent off. Okay. So as they were walking onto the field, his teammate just suddenly came up behind him and kicked him. Is this the kicking of the heel? Yeah, yes. he just came up behind him and kicked him. I mean, and. It took it took the other player by surprise. It wasn't like a little nudge. It was literally a, a power drive. Yeah. And I, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if anyone's actually gotten to the bottom of what's happened there or if there was an issue. But the irony is he got kicked and he did a sort of similar um, challenge in the game and got red carded for it. So I don't know if he was just meant to not play that game. Oh, maybe he was just raging from being kicked in the ankle. I mean, it looked like it hurt. 
Um, his face wasn't happy as they walked that halfway into the pitch. That would hurt anyone. That would literally hurt anyone. But Southampton utilised utilised the time that they had. They copped the red card, I think, 35 minutes into the game. So playing with 10 men, Southampton did what they had to do to get the three points. Yeah. Did you tip Brighton to win that? I did tip Brighton to win that one. I think without the red card, they would have done well. Um, I reckon they might have even walked away with the victory. But this is football. It's unpredictable. Yeah. it's It makes it more interesting, that's for sure. Let's move on to Man United and Crystal Palace. It's one of the upsets of the weekend. It is one of the upsets. I mean, I think majority of the people would have expected Man United to win that game. Mm. Um, I reckon a lot of tipsters got their tips wrong with Man United's loss. Especially at home. Yeah, at Old Trafford. Um, Old Trafford, I should say. Now, the way they considered the last goal is what I wanted to really talk about. Mm-hmm. Now, Man United got a goal back, I think it was the 87th minute. Yeah, quite late. Yeah, Very late. Now, that player who scored the goal went to go celebrate. Now, there's a lot of memes on social media currently with Rashford and I believe it was Martial or Lingard, one of them two, trying to rush him back so they can fight for a second goal. Now, the irony is they rushed him and they conceded the second goal. Now, this, the goal that they conceded, it was it was perfect. It was literally a perfect counter-attack. Pogba did lose the ball and smashed, smashing the ball Van Alt straight at De Gea. No one's going to stop that. And you walk away with three points. The irony is... Uh Pogba pulled a similar move on the defence with their equalising goal and it was Pogba who lost it to concede the goal. I mean, we can talk about where Man U went wrong, but I think they've got to start taking these penalties, Fats. They've got to start scoring. Well, they they did have a penalty over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Rashford did end up taking it. I know there, there was a bit of an issue with the penalty being taken with Pogba missing against Wolves last week. Um, but Rashford took it. He missed it as well hit the left post and came back out. So I don't think that should be demoralizing for Man United or for Rashford. I think good players miss, whether it's on a big stage like that, or whether it's the World Cup or Champions League. We saw how he did against PSG last year or the year before. Um, He took the penalty that was needed. But he's going to miss. Every good player misses. Messi misses. Ronaldo misses. Dame is, you know what? I missed. Let's move on from here. Yeah. But, yeah, it it was a big shock for me. Um, I used goal. The first one that Crystal Palace scored is a little too easy, don't you think? I mean, it was like a flick of the head, one-on-one with the keeper. It's it's a little bit too easy against a team like Manchester United. It is a bit too easy. I mean, they did spend $80 on Harry Maguire. Now, I'm not going to sit there and go, okay, everything. Everything defensively is Harry Maguire's fault. Mm-hmm. But if the same thing happened to Liverpool, you'd blame Van Dijk. Yeah. Now, with a player of his stature, he should be controlling that defence. De Gea should be controlling his defence as well, mm-hmm. saying what's available, who's where, and keep talking. I don't know if they've fully clicked yet, but a one-on-one, simple and easy, one-nil up. And these are the type of things that Solskjaer needs to learn from. Now, I always say it for Frank Lampard. He's got a defensive issue. Solskjaer, I think, doesn't have the defensive issue that Chelsea has. But I think a little bit more gelling. I reckon they need to find that perfect partner for Harry Maguire before we start saying, okay, there's an issue here. But Crystal Palace, three points. That's three big points dropped for Man United considering they lost at home. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Our third game uh, that we want to talk about today is uh, Bournemouth and Man City. This this game frustrated me. Bournemouth played well. They played so well. The problem, the problem is you're versing Man City. These are the champions. You don't take your chances. You are not walking away so with three points. So many one-on-ones with the keeper where, you know, I don't know how Edison made the save, but he did. Um, man of the match in my eyes. I mean, if he didn't make those saves that he did, it would have been a different game. Well, that's why they paid big money for him. Yeah. They did. They paid big money for a keeper of his stature to to do those saves, to control his defense, to 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 ensure that defended. Uh, sorry, as a, from a goalkeeper perspective, there is no issue. He's going to make mistakes, of course. Every keeper does, but Bournemouth, yeah, they they did miss a lot of opportunities. They scored a crack of a free kick. Yeah. Um. But at the end of the day. Man City, they did what they did best. You concede one, but they scored three. David Silva absolutely mastered that midfield. As 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 soon as as soon as Dave, David Silva's name is mentioned on a on a on a team sheet or even just being subbed on, you know that he's going to control. It. It's, it's just like watching um like, like watching a maestro. He just it's sort of similar to Iniesta. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he gets that ball, he's already knowing what he's doing with the ball. So, three points for City. They're right on the heels of Liverpool. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I can't skip this game without talking about Sterling. I mean, crazy statistics about how many games he scored against Bournemouth, um, and he got one on the weekend as well. And you could see the smile on his face after he scored. He's like, "Yeah, I did it again." Sterling on the Guardiola is completely different. I mean. The Sterling we saw at Liverpool, who was still a great player, it it, it seems that Guardiola is just doing that that fine tweaks on him. I think it, I think there's a lot of maturity that goes with him now as well. He seems really grown up, and a bit of discipline that Guardiola is doing into him. Yeah, I mean we see Guardiola. Whether some people say that it's just for show, how he approaches players straight off as soon as the game's finishing, trying to act like he's talking about tactics and all that. I mean that can be safe for the dressing room, but. Sterling is a changed player. You can see that when he's playing for City and you can see that when he's playing for England. But he's scoring the goals and Guardiola has faith in him. Now, another shock for me is Tottenham and Newcastle. Now, I had Tottenham to finish second on the table and this takes a big hit on their <laughs> yes, Premier League. So I, I definitely... That's, that's drop points twice in three games. Yeah, and Newcastle... I don't, I don't think that they did as bad as people expected them to do against Tottenham. I think Tottenham were just horrendous. Yeah. They made Newcastle look better than what they what they actually are. Now, there was a bit of a a bit of a problem with VAR again, which came to did Tottenham deserve a penalty or not? Now Harry Kane was was fouled in the penalty box. Now looking at the replays, you can say it is a penalty, is it not a penalty? But I think the big problem that's coming out of this whole VAR situation is what is a penalty? Like when the when the player's fouled in the box, what's the VAR actually telling the ref? He's going, did he get fouled? Did he not get fouled? You know, it, 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 there should be a bit of a. I, I think there needs to be a proper guideline set to go. Okay, the moment you touch a player in the penalty box and he's fouled is automatic penalty is it or is it not 
because I don't think that's clear at the moment. Now, we look at some replays and go, okay, you can justify it to be a penalty because we can see a slight touch on the player or a slight nick on the player, then it is a penalty. But VAR doesn't seem to see so. Um, and this this was illustrated as well in the Man City game. I can't remember which play it was, but there was a treading on a foot um, where Man City didn't get a penalty. Uh, and the on call, on-field call by the referee was that there was no penalty. So... Just going off what the commentators were talking about on television, they were saying that the video referee couldn't see a very clear mistake made by the referee on the field, so there was no penalty given. I th- yeah, I think this is why there's so many issues about VAR. I and think- it's done differently in each league as well. Yeah, I mean, the A-League, I reckon, is even worse when it comes to VAR. You can have... A shot on goal, hit a hand, and then travel all the way to the other side of the field and score a goal, and they'll check what happened two, three minutes ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it breaks the play. The EPL doesn't have that as much, but if if a foul is committed and the referee deems it no penalty, does the VAR sit there and go, okay, did the ref make the right decision, or do I have enough to overturn the ref? They have all the replays in the world. They got probably the best angles in probably any of the sports available on TV. So it, it isn't like some of the Australian sports where the the move is that fast that the video doesn't show it properly. These guys are watching it almost on slow motion. They can watch it as fast as they want. They've got 15 uh, angles on it. They've got 15 <laughs> angles. they got... Three different refs. I, I don't know. I, I think that there just needs to be a bit of a look into it. Personally, I don't think the VAR should be saying, oh, has the, the on-field referee made a mistake? You know, it's not VAR versus the referee on the field. I think if the referee sees that there's a foot that's been trotted on, I mean, if your foot's trotted on in the box, I think it's a penalty. See, the issue that you have there is then if the ref doesn't say it's a penalty – then we fall down to what, what I just said about the A-League. Yeah. Then the VAR, whilst is checking that foul, the other team goes and scores, you're going to come all the way back to the original foul. Our, yeah. Then that's when football starts that. to break. So who do you think – do you think VAR should make the decision? Because in the Turkish League, VAR will call on the referee and come and have a look and he'll come to the sideline, have a look at it, and he makes the final call. I think if the, if the referees made the call – he needs to stick by his call. Okay, it, it, it is what it is. Whether VAR can, whether they've, sorry, whether they've actually given permission for VAR to sit there and go, sorry, you are wrong, I don't know. I don't know how the EPL is, is, is going to implement these rules. Are they going to do it different to everyone else? Like you said, there's been many different versions of VAR at the moment. Mm-hmm. Champions League is completely different. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the solution is for VAR to work perfectly. I don't think it will work perfectly. They're even talking about trying to be more lenient on offsides. I mean, at the moment, we saw it in the, I believe it was in the opening round for Man City's game, where Sterling got picked up from under his arm. Mm-hmm. The so armpits, yeah. Is, are we trying to perfect it to that? Or are we trying to perfect it to, say, the feet, the legs? Like the, the the rule is any part of the the part of your body that, that you can, can score. score. That's right. Yeah. So if your underarm is five centimeters in front or a centimeter in front, 
Is that really offside? <sighs> Who the fuck scores with their armpit? <laughs> Seriously. Look, at the end of the day, if it hits my... If, if, if it's a Chelsea goal, I'll celebrate. I don't care if it's an armpit or a toe. I don't care. But that's something that Lynx might want to endorse, you know? Just armpit goals. <laughs> <laughs> but look, VAR, I, it is a work in progress. There is still a few issues, I reckon. But I think that's for the powers that be to have a look. I think... With the VAR having all the issues currently, there hasn't been an issue to go, oh, my God, it is an issue. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been that big standout yet. Yeah. I think we this year there will be one. Hey, if Man City drew on the weekend and that penalty wasn't awarded, do you think there would have been talks about it? I don't think so, only because it's still too early. I think once it starts to hit, say, you're in game 30, you're in round 35 and your three points is going to determine whether you're premiership leaders or out of the relegation zone, that's when it starts to make a big difference. Whether a team is relegated because of, of VAR not doing their job or the referee or, or referee's mistake not being called up by VAR. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to see how VAR goes and we'll just keep reviewing it as the games go. Hopefully we don't have to talk too much about it because I want to talk football. (laughs) It is football. Come on. (laughs) All right. uh, And the main feature of this weekend's football, obviously Liverpool versus Arsenal. Uh, Look, Liverpool won the game, in my opinion, quite easily. There was stages where they absolutely dominated. um, But in saying that, I think Arsenal came out with the right tactic. I mean... Yeah, Liverpool, first 10 minutes, they had three chances, you know. Um, and there could have been one finished by uh, Firmino where he ran behind the players. You know, that could have changed the goal. But so many times as well that Arsenal could have finished. Those counter-attacks, you know, they just couldn't finish. If one of those went in, it could have been a different game. But 3-1 win for Liverpool. What do you think, Fats? I disagree with you, actually. You disagree? Yeah, I disagree with you. I think that's just Arsenal doing what Arsenal do. In big games, they just don't do it, especially away, especially against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. They can have all the chance. I reckon if you gave them 40 shots on goal, none of those goals will go in. That's just Arsenal for you. I reckon the from a pressure point of view, that team isn't ready to take the pressure on. At at the Emirates, they do well. They got the, the they got the crowd behind them, but the moment they start to feel like there's a bit of pressure on them, it's like they just fall apart. You are playing in Anfield. You are playing at Anfield. And look what happened. Look what happened to Barcelona. Do you know? We have probably the best team in the world, if not you at least top three. Mm-hmm. And they got throttled on. 4 0. So you have a team like Arsenal going there. You can't have Obama Yang. You can't have Pepe beating the defense and squandering chances. That, yeah, de- that, that's, definitely. That's not a big that's not a big team's mentality, especially in a game like this, especially I know it's early days, you're 1v2. Yeah. Now, Liverpool, they're used to it. They're used to this. They've they've hammered Arsenal, what was it, 5-1, 4-1, 3-1, But from a a tactical point of view, I was talking, I'm not saying that the players played well. I mean, how many times did they catch Liverpool off guard in the first half? They can catch Liverpool off guard, but what does Liverpool do when they are caught off guard, they recover. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Now, Pepe did outrun 
or dribble past Van Dyke for the first time. I think that's the first time he's been passed in, what, 50, 55 or 56 games or something like that. But if you watch that game, what did they do? He didn't just sit back and go, oh, well, and just move away. Mm-hmm. He said, you know what, I've got to work for this. Mm-hmm. And then the defense came back, and then the midfield come back. That, that's, that's what I was talking about. It's, it's the same thing with Arsenal. Now, Arsenal signed David Luiz. And he gave away the penalty. He looked absolutely lost mm-hmm. against Salah. Mm-hmm. And this is what I was referring to in our earlier podcast, which is David Luiz on his best day is good. But on his bad day, you end up with losses like this. Mm-hmm. He, he gave away the penalty. He came up with some excuse in his interview, which was off the top of my head. Um, if you wear a bigger shirt or an extra large shirt, of course, it's going to be a penalty all day of the week. You can clearly see him grab the shirt. Mm-hmm. It is a penalty. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I reckon um, half a second more, Salah would have fell over. And it is a penalty. But, yeah, he did look lost. Liverpool took their chances. They did what they had to do to win the game. Uh, we, we often talk about... Um the, the attacking three. Now, the attacking three was putting some pressure on that Arsenal defense over that game, which was good to see. Showed that they were hungry. Um, another thing as well that's really making some headlines is how many mistakes that Liverpool goalkeeper is making. I mean, the 11th minute, he almost gave away a goal again. Um, it was only, it was chipped and it missed the goal. But, you know, is it inexperienced, Fats? I don't think it's inexperienced. I mean, he's, He's had a lot of. He's he's not a new keeper. I um, I think what's happening is Liverpool are so used to Allison. Okay, this Adrian is not Allison. No, it's as simple as this. Okay, he's he's making decisions as a, a a keeper of his age and a keeper of his quality will do. Okay, he's like in one of the in one of the attacks. I believe it was the ball was was coming to him and Van Dyke is telling him, I've got it. But he came out running. And I believe that was the scenario that you're referring to, which is the goal that he kicked the ball and he ended up at an Arsenal foot mm-hmm. and luckily just missed. Mm-hmm. But the communication basis is going to happen. I mean, he's a new um, new keeper to the club. Again, he's not Allison. He's, he's, a, he's a second keeper at the end of the day and this is his job. I reckon if Allison was there, he wouldn't even run out for that because mm-hmm. you got a player like Van Dyke literally yelling at him. I've, I've got this, mm-hmm. so it's it's going to happen. Where regardless if you're a big keeper or a second keeper or a third keeper, but he he did his job. Mm-hmm. He did the job that he needed to do. I'm gonna throw a curved ball at you, Pepe. What do you think so far? Still needs time. Needs time. Needs time. He, you can see against Burnley, he was more in control. And again, I'm going to touch base on this pressure issue for Arsenal. As soon as a big game comes up, whether it's Aubameyang, whether it's Pepe, it it sort of hits them because they're not used to it yet. Now Aubameyang played at Dortmund. He versed Bayern. Yes, fair enough. But there's a reason why people say Anfield is different. And these are the reasons why. So you squander an opportunity at Anfield, you're going to be copying it for the rest of the night mm-hmm. or the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Pepe did manage to pass Van Dyke, but look how that ended up. He lost the ball immediately. So I reckon a bit more time. I reckon getting a few more goals under his belt, 
can make him into a, a big player come mid-season or probably the end of the season. Now, it's easy to say Liverpool dominated them now, but Liverpool will end up going to the Emirates. So down the track, we'll see how this Arsenal team starts to gel, starts to become bigger. Maybe Liverpool might even become even stronger than what they are and absolutely dominate, dominate them at, at the Emirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, another curveball for you. Uh, a player that's, you know... Holmes doesn't really like, but Alexander-Arnold playing in that right-wing back position, if you like to call it. How important is this position for Liverpool? Holmes is losing the plot. <laughs> I hope he's listening You know, on his holiday. He's losing the plot, and I can't wait for him to come back from holidays to, to, to discuss this with him. If you take out Arnold, your right-side attack is gone. There's mm-hmm. a reason why you're playing overlaps. There's a reason why Robertson and Arnold are doing the same thing. They're doing overlap runs. Why? Because you're outnumbering the defense. Mm-hmm. You're causing faster plays. As soon as you take that out, what's going to happen? You're mm-hmm. going to have Henderson trying to do what Arnold does with Salah. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why Arnold's doing that overlap runs. Because why? It's freeing up Salah. It's freeing up Salah. Salah can move in. He can move towards the 18-yard box because you can just do a simple cutback and Salah's just going to smack it into the top left corner. We've seen it happen so many times. Now, you put a defender there that's going to play right back and stick to right back, which some Premier League teams do that, your whole right side attack is gone. Mm-hmm. And you do that, I reckon half the Liverpool goals are gone. Well, he, he gets a lot of assists. You watch his crosses and they're pinpoint accurate. Yeah, it, it, it's because of the way they've gelled. This, this is the style that Klopp wants to play. And you can't say it's bad considering you are European champions. And three from three. And three from three. Okay. Now, whether he, oh, I don't know what to say to Holmes, but... Holmes, fuck you. That's what I'll say. <laughs> but I reckon... Don't get me wrong. I understand what he tries to say with the defense getting caught out. But... Do they recover? Yes. Do you've you've just won the Super Cup? You've just won. Sorry, you're, you're three from three now. The same defense just won you the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Now these these weren't easy games. Yeah, you got caught out against Barcelona, but how did they recover from that? What did Robertson do? Mm-hmm. What did Arnold do? You know, the, these are the types of players that you can't just go. Okay, I've had enough of them. See you later. Mm-hmm. But, They've won you the Champions League. They're performing for you day in and day out. And he's young. And he's young. He needs some time as well. He's going to just keep getting better and better. Hopefully, there's no injuries to him. So he does get better and better. And it's not like they get tired so quickly. I, I, I watch I watch Robertson when I watch Liverpool games. I feel like that guy's cardio is immense. Mm-hmm. He just keeps running up and down, up and down, up and down. And not only... Is he running? But I've started to notice that he's he's improving very very slowly on his shooting. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's had a, he's had some wonder shots last year, but I reckon give him a bit more time. I reckon those balls are going to start going to the top right corner from where he's shooting. Mm-hmm. So defense, may, maybe I can just justify what Ohms is talking about 
and say, okay, maybe get a bit more depth. Mm-hmm. Okay, come December, come Champions League time where you're playing games on Wednesdays and then you come playing another game on Saturday. Have some depth. Have some good quality, maybe good youngsters. Fair enough. I can understand that. Where you can actually afford to put Van Dyke on the bench. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. But whether to replace the blade completely after they're putting performances day in and day out, nah, it's lost your mind. <laughs> There's a shout out to you, Ohms, and uh, I've got to say I've jumped on the Trent uh, Alexander Arnold train. Last game, the game before, he's been playing amazing. Uh, good luck to him and good on him. All right, just to summarise the rest of the Premier League games, now Aston Villa did win Everton two 0 We had Brighton lose at home to Southampton. Uh, Watford still without a win, losing three one at home to West Ham. Uh, Leicester City walked away with a big win against Sheffield United, 2-1 away. And we finish off with Wolves and Burnley, who drew 1-0. Wolves grabbing that goal very, very, very late. 90 plus 7, I believe. Now, that game, just quickly, just touching on that, I think a lot of people started to complain about Burnley because of their big defensive approach to the games now. Now, I reckon every time that they're going to play away, we're going to be start seeing maybe two or three buses in front of that goal. So they do have a big game this week, which we'll touch on a bit later. But Wolves still managed to walk away with the point And Burnley, I don't know whether they're going to continue that defensive structure or not. We'll see. And I hope Wolves aren't staying as a team of just draws. I mean, I want to, start, I want to see them start winning some games. I reckon they'll start to gel and we'll start seeing them working their way up up the ladder. All right, with round three for the Premier League finishing now, we got Liverpool top of the ladder. Three wins from three, the only team to keep their 100% record intact. Close second is Manchester City on seven points, two wins and a draw. Uh, we have Arsenal in third. Leicester, fourth place. Um, I don't know if they can keep that very long, but they haven't lost a game so far. Uh, United with their loss drops down a fifth. Burnley, sixth. Tottenham, seventh. Now, skipping down a bit, we've got Chelsea in 13th spot, moving their way slowly up the ladder and hitting the relegation spots at the moment. The bottom three, Southampton, Newcastle and Watford. Watford, the only team to not, to have a hundred, sorry, to have a hundred percent losing streak at the moment. Now, they do share um, a no win with Wolves. However, Wolves with three draws is a lot higher than them, and I think Watford are struggling at the moment. Mm. All right, that, that just wraps up our English Premier League. Now, moving just quickly just to La Liga. Now, just touching points on our on our three big teams. No disrespect to any other, of the other teams in La Liga. Um, Real Madrid drawing at home. Now, that puts Zidane a bit confused considering they got off to a good win away. However, I think Zidane still has some questions that he needs to answer. He did flip on his anti-Gareth Bale view, suddenly stating that he wants Gareth Bale. I don't know if Gareth Bale now wants Zidane. So I don't know if he's going to rely more on Gareth Bale because of the injuries that he has. And let's see if Hazard actually steps up and does what his price tag suggests he would mm-hmm. do. Um, Atletico Madrid won 1-0 away. They seem to be just scraping away with their three points. I don't think that they were under any real pressure in that game. 
And Barcelona recovered from their opening round loss to win 5-2 at the Nou Camp. Now Griezmann really stepped up in the absence of Lionel Messi and Suarez with two goals and an assist. But I reckon Barcelona will, will slowly bounce back and head to the top of the ladder, which I predicted they would win the league. But the interesting thing is Atletico 2 from 2. I mean, we both said that they would finish above Real Madrid and they're starting to show that. I actually said Real Madrid would finish second. Oh, you did? So um, I'm not too sure. I reckon Atletico... Atletico's big problem always comes to what happens towards the end of the league. They always seem to progress really good in a Champions League, which ends up sort of affecting their La Liga. Um, But... If they do somehow miraculously get out of the Champions League a lot earlier, I reckon their push for La Liga might be a bit better. Mm. Okay, Fats, let's just touch up on the uh, Serie A opening week results. Uh, Juventus starting off with a win. Chiellini getting the winning goal for them. Uh, yeah, expecting Ronaldo to score there? I th- Ronaldo always has his early season jitters he's reaching a bit of an older age I, um, I believe the VAR or the, the referee um, overruled one of his goals so I reckon the aspects there just give him a bit uh, whether he scores or not we love him anyway so it doesn't really matter one of the greatest <laughs> of all time uh, Milan losing their first game this week against Udinese I think that's how you pronounce it I don't know if this is the Milan that's that's been happening for the last 10, 15 years. I mean, these guys used to be a powerhouse. Yeah. Now they've just they've dropped, and I reckon that type of loss at the beginning of the season is not going to do well for them. Uh, yeah, it, it's away from home. I mean, it's not the greatest start. Early days. Um, the One of the most exciting games this round was uh, Napoli against Fiorentina. Napoli yeah. taking that out 4-3. I reckon that's an excellent fixture for the Serie A, considering it is round one. Mm-hmm. Big start for Napoli. Yeah, and you got Roma drawing against Genoa and Inter Milan winning 4-0 over the weekend. Lukaku getting his first goals. Lukaku getting his first goal. Um, I don't know if that's a bit of a dig at Manchester United considering they were talking about him being overweight, him not scoring. Are people going to say it's only the Serie We'll find out, I reckon. I reckon there's a few goals in it for him. And with the right guidance from Antonio Conte, who used to coach Chelsea, I think he should be fine. Yeah. Be exciting to see how he goes this year. Yeah. And Lazio winning their first opening game, 3-0. Comfortable win for them away from home. Now for the Bundesliga. Uh, Dortmund winning 3-1 away from home. That leaves them top of the table. Bayern Munich winning 3-0 away from home. That's a big win for them, actually, considering that they were versing Schalke. That brings Bayern up to sixth position. Now, Dortmund is first, but they are equal They are equal first with five other teams and are followed by Bayern Munich. So I think it's still early days. I reckon these two teams will slowly start to find a gap between themselves and the other teams. But I'm still sticking with Dortmund to take this league out. And I reckon that's just the team that they have and the gel that they have at the moment is going to work really well. Um, big shout out to Lewandowski. Three goals, the hat trick. He's doing what he does best. I think if if he can continue with his form, his age, I think he can hit the high 30s this year. So keep an eye on him just in case. Yeah. Now moving on to the Turkish League. I don't even want to talk about this. I mean, <laughs> hasn't been the greatest start for Galatasaray, of course. But um, on the opposite end, Fenerbahce, 
two from two, very different Fenerbahce to what we saw last season. Uh, and in the preseason. And, yeah, and in the preseason. Um, I mean, we, we often say that the preseason is just preseason, but they've come out running here. Um, the weekend opened up with Besiktas' game, of course. Uh, they had lost the first game 3-0, but the second game against Gerstepper at home, in front of their fans, they've managed to scrape a 3-0 win. I mean, scrape, I think. Is an understatement. Comfortable win there for them. Another comfortable win was for Alanya Sport, who've started off two from two as well. Rizespor Sport get, winning 2-1 against Sivas Sport at home. Uh, Deniz Sport, who beat Galatasaray in the first game 2-0, have won away from home against Antalya Sport. Now, they're a newly promoted team. Um, they've picked up some great strikers like Rodelega. Uh, good for them. And they're the only team not to consider goal at the moment. Yeah. Clean sheets, both games. And you're, you're playing good teams. I mean, Antalya is very, very strong. They won, um, I believe, last week. So, And then and beating Galatasaray in the first round, it's looking good for them. They haven't been in the Super League, remember, for nine seasons. Uh, Ghazi Sheed, who's also a newly promoted team, winning 4-1 at home. Ankara Guja drawing to Kayseri Sport 1-1. Fenerbahce beating Bashakshir 2-1. I don't think Bashakshir has got the strength they had last season, but... And I don't know, this is something that's joked about on social media a lot. But Bashakshir at home, is it really home? I mean, they've got like 30 spectators. Um, but Fenerbahce obviously taking the win there, 2-1 close to home. Trabzonspor uh, opening up there, winning. They drew in the first round, of course, against Yeni Malatyaspor. And Galatasaray, um, look... They got out in front, 1-0. Great goal by Ryan Babel. Copping a red card, playing most of the game with only 10 players, and they considered a goal in 90-plus six minutes. Um, devastating. It was good to see Jagna getting a little bit more involved in the game, but he's got to go. I think he's causing more problems than he's causing good. Uh, and hopefully this week, Garcetti can finally get their three points. So what do you think is the solution for Garcetti? Uh, the team needs time. Uh, look, there was a big difference in the team compared to the first game because of Enzonzi. He definitely showed his class. He held that midfield. I mean, but you're a player down most of the game. Um, still early in the season. I think a couple of, I don't know, he, if Fatih Tedem took Emden Mora off in both games, I felt like Emden Mora was the one who was really trying. Uh, but they need a striker. We have been... As Galatasaray fans crying out for a striker for the last two seasons, we need a striker. Someone someone who can, in my, in my personal opinion, someone who can play with his back turned against the goal. You know, you're talking like a Drogba or a, you know, obviously not a, the, the, the same caliber, but Gomez was so good because he could turn his back on the goal, shield off defenders and either lay off a pass to a striker coming in from behind or a midfielder or turning and taking that shot. Garcetti needs someone strong up the front. There's talks about, uh, there's a couple of, you know, rumors happening. Not, I don't know if Falcao is going to come. He hasn't played in the first three games for Monaco. I don't think Falcao will come. I don't think he is too. It's, no. not, it's, it's looking less and less likely. Um, there was rumors that he's injured. That's why he's not playing the three games for Monaco. There's some press that's making out that he's um, he wants to come to Gaza today and he's, he's boycotting the game. So see what happens. Uh, Garcia's just got to finish a game with 11 players. I mean, both games now they've played with a red card. So hopefully this week they can turn it around. 
Look, I, I think I think Garza's, I think the Turkish league's big problem is buying people that are has-beens. Now, this is no disrespect to Schneider or Drogba or Van Persie or anything like that, except if Turkey wants to move forward and start producing talent, start producing uh, a league that is worth watching, they need to start implementing and investing into the youth. Totally agree with you. Whether it's the Turkish Youth Academy, whether it's loaning players from teams from the Premier League to give them more time. I mean, we, we have people and players, I should say, that are in, say, Chelsea's youth squad or City's youth squad, even Liverpool or anyone of the Premier League calibre that can go straight into the Turkish Super League and play for teams that like Galatasaray, like Fenerbahce, like Başakşehir. Mm-hmm. And not only does it give them the ability to to generate money by by getting players that can actually win you games, but it also is an advantage for the team that's that's loaning it to the Super League that these these players are going to be playing Champions League. They're going to be playing Europa League and they're on they're only on loan. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, whether you don't see this player working into your team. You have a buyout clause. Mm-hmm. I think Turkey needs to start working towards this mm-hmm. because you buy Drogba at age 35. Yes, he's an impact, but, but he's a one-year. One year, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he's only a two-year short-term thing. And then what happens? You can't fix it, mm-hmm. and then you end up buying plays you don't need. You end up buying plays that don't work for you from the money that you make from him. But if you start investing in loan plays and these loan players start to realize, hey, I'm playing first team football here and I'm playing for Champions League teams. Let me stay here. It's, it's, it's interesting because you get players who are like well-respected in Europe. Let me give a, a, a really bad example. Giovanni De Santos, right? Comes to Galatasaray. There's big hopes about this guy. And he's sent off within a year or two of like signing the contract. Like, if you're investing in these young players, you need to give them some time. You you look at, and you've hit the nail on the head with this. I don't think there's enough teams in Turkey who are trying to go for this youth thing. I think at the moment Trabzon's the only thing, uh, only team that's doing. It, you know, with Yusuf Yazici and uh, um, Abdul Kadir and stuff like that. But Galatasaray, in particular, because I follow them the closest, have been talking about this 2000s generation for so long. And now we've had, yeah, we've had Ozan Kabak, but where is everyone else? Why is Yunus Akgun not being given games when Jagne is clearly shit? Why are you not playing? Because he's not doing anything on the field. Why are you not giving a run? Like, even in some of these, these preseason games that have no weight, why are we playing players who are 35, 40 years old like Selçuk when we should be putting our youth players on? I think it's got more to do with politics. We both know that the Turkish league is filled with politics. Oh, definitely. Everyone thinks they're a coach, thinks they're a manager, especially board members, especially people that are invested in the club. They think that they're playing FIFA manager, but they don't realize that they suck at it. Mm-hmm. Now, we just talked about 35, 36-year-olds. Now, I don't know if you saw the news today, Adebayor signed with Kayseri Sport. Mm-hmm. So, again, a player like that might work for Kayseri. Okay, this team that's playing... Turkish league mm-hmm. but if Adeboyel was to join Galatasaray it's it's even if it worked out and he, he scored 50 goals for example 
It's a one-year one fix. Season, That's yeah. right. And then you're back to the same problem. Mm-hmm. And then you have a slump. And then you're into the transfer market and buying players you don't need. And 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 if you if you look at key positions in Garza, like for example, the striker and the right back position. Oh my gosh! For the last fifteen years, we've been looking for a striker and a right back. I think the entire Turkey is looking for a striker. <laughs> but you had Fenerbahce signed Van Persie mm-hmm. again. One to two year fix. Mm-hmm. He scored the goals and then left. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? They hit a major slump, a major problem. Um, Istanbul Başakşehir had a massive season last year and the year before that. What happened? The mm-hmm. players left. Mm-hmm. So they need to utilize. They need to go. Okay, we're we're loaning players. Let's let's start building. Let's let's start progressing in competitions. Mm-hmm. Let's start working towards and go. Okay, I need I need this this and this to go. Okay, let me get out of the group stage of the Champions League and utilize this money to get this player mm-hmm. and start again and start again. Make deals with the Premier League. Make deals with teams and go. Okay, let's be your youth academy. Let's try to build this league back up. Mm-hmm. You know, we got players in Germany. We got players in in La Liga in 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 all all across the world. Let's start tapping into those markets. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go and buy a thirty million pound striker who's played a hundred games and is thirty nine years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, he's on the free now. Great, but he's a he's a one year fix. Mm-hmm. You want a striker there for three four years. Whether even the striker stays there, as long as you know, okay, we're building a platform to show players can come to Turkey and be big in Turkey and then transfer out to a bigger team. That's what we need to do. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with with Galatasaray and how they built the 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 Turkish football league when they won the UEFA Cup mm-hmm. and suddenly thought we're top of the world now. Mm-hmm. We beat Real Madrid in the Super Cup. We're number one. Okay, I don't think they've recovered from that. Mm-hmm. I, like even when there was talks about those players. What happened as soon as they won the UEFA Cup? Hassan Shash scouted by Roma. Fatih Terim went to Milan. Mm-hmm. And all this type of stuff happened. But we never, we just suddenly thought it'll work out. Mm-hmm. And then Turkey did good in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. We thought it would work out. Then what happened? It was a massive slump for six years. Mm-hmm. Then we had another big spike, 2008 Euros. And then slump. And again, don't make the World Cup. Don't make the Euros. Don't make the World Cup. Another problem as well, uh, look, it's a spectator's problem in a kind of way. I mean, we're, we're always looking for, you know, that star signing every every summer or whatever it is. We don't care, you know, even with Falcao, you know, every Garcia supporter is waiting for him to come, but he's old. Let's invest in someone younger. The, the thing is as well is that, you know, teams like, uh, let's throw a random mid-table, Kayseri Sport bring up a junior player, right? This guy is doing well. He's more expensive than like someone who's at the same age coming from the Premier League. The Turkish teams, because it comes up through their youth academy, they've put in all this work. They're expecting too much money for them. Where if you send a, a, a player, and this is from a national soccer point of view, who's been playing at Kayseri to come play at Galatasaray or Fenerbahce or Besiktas for that matter, who's playing Champions League you know, level games, he's obviously going to develop way faster than playing for a mid-table team. But... These teams are asking too much money. Jagner was bought for 10 or 11 million pounds. That's a lot of money. It's not really in this market. If you for think a Turkish it, league? Yeah, but if, you, if you're trying to tap into the Premier League, you're paying minimum 30. 
which Turkish teams can't afford. Yeah. Do you know? Uh, I think it was Newcastle's uh, Joe Linton, I think that was his name, £40 million for a striker who scored nine goals. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we're hitting that type of mark now. And I think the Turkish league just can't keep up with it, mm-hmm. which is why I'm suggesting the loaning situation. Mm-hmm. Turkey can't afford it. Yeah. They, uh, for for Garso to go out and spend fifty million pounds, then they probably have to win the Champions League. Yeah, and it's it's not it's not going to happen with the team that they're having now. Mm-hmm. So a loan system, a, 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 like a ten year plan, just work towards it. Mm-hmm. Look at Barcelona. Barcelona did. Not, I know. I know. It's a, It's it's easy to say Barcelona's name now because of how big they are. They didn't have the the academy that they had 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Why? Because they saw it. They saw, hey, we need to start thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. When Spain was in the World Cup in '98, they had an all-star squad, but nothing coming up. And what happened? They flopped. Mm-hmm. And then they flopped again in 2002. So what they did, they start investing in the youth. It doesn't matter now, but in 10, 15 years from now, we're going to be building superstars. Mm-hmm. We're a country of footballers. Literally, you've got kids kicking the football on the streets thinking they're going to make it. But I, I, I'm going to stick by my guns here and say it's just politics. Politics, yeah. I mean, it's not about who you know or how you can play. It's which pocket are you sitting under mm-hmm. or in, I should say. Controversial so, words there from Fats. It, it is what it is. We, we know this. <laughs> of course. It, I'm not going to sit here and deny it. it yeah. that, that's what the Turkish League is. you got VAR now that's not even working properly in the Turkish League. That favours big teams? That favours big teams. Whether it's Gansar, Fenerbahce or not, it does favour big teams. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we're the most perfect league in the world. So if, if, if Turkish League wants to be fixed, I, I think the, the people that are at the top need to sit back and relax a bit. It's not about your pockets. You're not going to have a pocket if you don't have a league. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's easy to become cash cows and take all the money out of the club. But if Galatasaray is sitting 17th on the ladder, Fenerbahce almost getting relegated at one point last season. Most of the season, most yeah. Most of the season. What's going to happen to the big guys? Mm-hmm. Pull their money out. So... They, they need to fix it. They, they, I, I would rather have a youngster who's on loan scoring 18, 20 goals than a big signing so I can sell T-shirts. Mm. Because why? That, that, that guy that's going to be scoring the goals is the reason why you're going to be earning more money down the track. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Champions League. Whether you get eliminated from the Champions League and go on to go semifinals or finals of Euro, uh, Europa League. It's been done before. We've seen small clubs... Go to those stages. Ajax last season. Ajax did the semi-final. No one expected that to happen. Yeah. And that's because why their team gelled. They weren't a superstar team. No one knew who they were towards the beginning of the season. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think the Turkish league is on a major downfall at the moment. And I'm not saying that because Garstra is performing horrendously. I've always thought this for the last no, three, like, four years. Yeah, I agree. Um, we don't make those qualifying spots in the Champions League or UEFA Cup anymore. We, you, like, you see them versing teams that aren't really big but struggle against them. Yeah, and I've, and I've said this before. I know Garstra and Fenerbahce are rivals, but seeing Fenerbahce do well is a good thing for the Turkish league. Yeah, yeah. Because if those spots that we have in the Champions League are gone, I think Turkish League is going to be in horrendous issues. They're going to have massive, massive problems because those Champions League spots go, 
What are you fighting for? How do you bring income? Did just qualifying for Champions League brings so much income. That's right. You 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 get money for drawing. You get money for winning. Okay, and if you just progress out of the group stage, which is what the the the, the aim should be, should be minimum minimum aim. I can understand if you cop the group of death. I can understand. But, that. I mean, in in saying that, Garcia, a few years ago, you've got Juventus, you've got um. Real Madrid in your group and they still progress. Because and at the time they were powerhouses. And at the time they had Schneider and Drogba, which was a which was a partial fix. Yeah. And but what happened? Like we can say, yeah, they did good that season, but then what happened? Yeah. So look, I think Arsenal will recover, whether they're gonna be champions again. Still early days. Fenerbahce doing very, very well. Um we're just gonna have to see how the league progresses. Yeah. I think that sums up the Turkish league from me and I believe from yourself as well. And, um, I think I've had enough rants for today. Yeah, hashtag rant over, man. And that sums up our episode today. Uh, make sure you join us on Friday when we do our predictions for the upcoming week. Uh, don't forget to like us on Facebook now, on Instagram, and like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, and Spotify and Spotify keep um keep up the support guys we've made it to episode 4 episode 5 will definitely be a milestone and we may have some stuff coming up for you guys soon uh, catch you guys on Friday thank you very much for listening don't forget until next time stay offside